Welcome to the Converge Community Church Podcast, where we provide for you the previous Sunday morning sermon. And now without further ado, may the Holy Spirit minister to your heart as you hear the preaching of God's Word. How many of you read this passage before you came to the class? We had a big class today, so that doesn't, you guys, you had to read it before. So go ahead and raise, thank you, Lou. All right, raise, raise your hand if you read this before the class. Read them, I don't see anybody. Raise your hands high, because I'm like, maybe, okay, okay, that's better. Okay, good, excellent, good. So you'll, you'll just track with this a little bit. Thatcher, you're here, right? You gonna be reading for us today? Okay, tell you what, why don't you come right up in the front row Come right over here by Justin. I'm going to give some introduction to this before you read it, all right? Um, it's, a, it's an incredible text, and you know, we're just singing about the name of Jesus. It's really encountering Jesus. This is what we need. comes from his word. And I don't know about you. I just, I feel like this is, it's like a theme of my life. It doesn't matter what I read or what I'm around. Maybe it's because I'm getting old. Maybe I can't remember things in the past, but it just feels like there's more brokenness and sadness all the time. Every, all the time, people I'm with. And it struck me today, we're going to look at four people. Every single one of them has got incredible brokenness and sadness. And it's, it's been in their life for a long time. And they meet Jesus and something different happens. Um, it just struck me this morning as I was praying for some people. That's true in this text. So before, before Thatcher comes up and read it, let's, re, let's just think about what's going on here in Matthew and where we are in the whole sequence. So we're in chapter 9. But again, what Matthew's primarily doing here at this, this point, he wants to demonstrate the ministry of Jesus and how he's being revealed to his followers. So it's interesting that the Pharisees are resistant to Jesus' ministry. We see that along the way. And the events that immediately precede this one is this encounter with the Pharisees where they're basically questioning Jesus because he's associating with sinners, they call, that's the text says, sinners and tax collectors. And they're like, yeah, godly dudes don't do that. Then there's a question about fasting and so forth. So that's kind of what's what's going on right before this. And Jesus has said to them, he has this parable, hey, people go to the doctor if they're sick. That's what I came for people to know that they're in spiritual need. And the trouble with the Pharisees was they thought they were pretty good. And we talked about that last week. Religious people, us in our day, us, can often think that. Jesus came for needy people, and he says this, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. So when Jesus says, go and learn what this means, and Matthew records it, that's for us too. We should think about that. So when he says that, he's quoting from Hosea, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy. That is a heart of compassion, a heart like Jesus. Change. Not, not sacrifice, not mere compliance, obedience to the law. Some of us are good at doing the right thing. We want to do the right thing. That's not, that's not terrible, but what am I relying on? So in the Pharisees' paradigm, that's what they relied upon in terms of their access to God. I'm I'm doing the right thing, God. You know, so you should bless me. Those guys down there, man, those are the guys. You, I mean, do you know how bad they are? That's kind of what's going on with the Pharisees. That's what's happened right before this. And what we see here 
is that the kingdom of heaven is not about mere compliance to God's law. It's for who? Simply those who desire Jesus. Those who desire to follow him with all their whole life. Those that desire to be changed by him. We need to be changed by him. That's a new understanding. That's the new wine coming in. That's where it is. So we're going we're gonna to see this day. I put that title up here, Faith Moves Us Towards Jesus. You'll see that in the text. And desperation makes us move a lot sooner. So a lot of us, we get broken places in our life, and we just want to say this. The Lord is not absent from that. He wants to walk you through it. He wants to lead you through it. He wants you to meet him in it. So when I go through hard things, I just want them fixed. I just want, that's what I really, that's what I feel like I want. And God does not resolve things quickly on purpose. Why? He's mean. He didn't like me. He wants, he wants me to stop. No, I don't know why it is. It's the difficult places where I meet him. When things are going good, I just think life's good and Jeff's just fine. You know, nothing. I don't know why it is. I, I need trouble to turn me to Jesus. We don't want to say that real loud because we think it's going to happen. Don't, no fears here, friends. No fears. He, the biggest thing in life, what does it gain a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? The biggest thing in life was he know and walk with him. So whatever your thing going on here, I, I hope you meet Jesus in this text today. I hope he speaks to you, whatever's going on. I don't know what's going on. I know a few people, but I don't really know what's going on. But I know the Lord intends this word. And in these four miracles, we see gem, Jesus demonstrating the heart of God and compassion. It's real compassion. Two of these miracles... Jesus identifies that their believing in him is related to their healing. It's not all of them, but in two of them, their believing in him is related to their healing. And then you're going to see it as that, that you reads it. The final verse is a stunning conclusion. You'll see how the crowds are responding, what's going on. And then Matthew ends this with the Pharisees' unbelief. They're outright rejecting of Jesus, though they see the very same miracles. And we'll walk through that and think through that. So, Thatcher, come on up. If you'd stand with me, we're standing in honor of God's word. Just keep the mic close enough to you. Yeah, good job. This is the word of the Lord. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler in and knelt before him, or came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge, discharge of blood for twelve years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned, and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went through all that district. And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him and said to them, and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened. 
And Jesus sternly warned them, see that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame through all that district. Keep going. Yep. <coughs> a little bit more. Third, oh. keep, yeah, the next one. As they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke, and the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He casts out demons by the prince of demons. Let's pray as we stand. Father, this actually happened. Jesus did this. These people were in that kind of a need. And as they encountered you, you did something as we just heard. Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. You did something unusual, and it's demonstrating who you are. Oh, Christ, you are the one who's risen from the dead, ascended to heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. You will come back. You will. And we live at a time and a period while we long for that, and in this world, there is great darkness and brokenness. So, Lord, let it be today that we hear you speak you who know exactly what's going in our hearts, you know what the woman was thinking in the middle of the crowd. You know what's going on in our private thoughts even when we don't fully know it. You know a word that's on our tongue before we've spoken it. So Lord, speak to each one of us today as we need to hear from you and give us the courage to respond to you as would be good for us in faith. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Thatcher. All right, I'm going to kind of walk through this. So I like kind of going big picture before we walk through the scenes. Uh, so you can see this kind of structure this way in these three scenes, four healings. We see the dead raised, blinds opened. We got this one. The dead raised, blind eyes open, and a mute can speak. And that's kind of how it goes. And there's the, the woman, the unclean, she's kind of like a, it's like a little sandwich. She's like in the middle. It's like this divine interruption as it goes on. What's interesting, each of these scenes ends with a statement about Jesus, his fame, and the crowd's reaction. We see it spreading. Every single one, verse 26, verse 31, verse 33, it takes place. But after all of that, this momentum with the crowd and Jesus' fame, the final verse, verse 34, it's like it's, it's a stunner. All this has happened. No one's seen anything like this. His fame is spreading. Even when he, uh, guys are told not to say it, they do. But the Pharisees say it's by the prince of demons that he casts out demons. Their reaction is a, is a stunner here. Their rejection against them. So we're supposed to read that and go like, what is going on? So when I zoom out, I kind of look at, when I put this all together, I'm like, okay, what's the main thing that he's saying here? Here's how I'd summarize it. Main idea. That those who received and believed Jesus, that's who experienced his ministry those who received and believed him. Those who rejected him, they're blind. See, the same things, they were blind by their own views. Think about that. Just think about it. Think about our day. That's what happens in this text. Again, I think, you know, Matthew, when he's writing this, it's the early church that's hearing this for the first time, the early church, the Jewish church that's persecuted. They got all these things going on. Probably their faith is being challenged. Man, I thought Jesus was coming back. When's he coming back? Property's taken. People are being thrown in jail. They're the ones reading this again. Matthew's reminding them who Jesus is. 
what he came to do, how he encounters people. And he's, I think there's a call to us to have faith, to believe Jesus for all our needs, to come to him because he cares for us. I want to just pull out a couple statements the way we heard as Thatcher's reading it. Verse 22. He says to this woman, he says, take heart, daughter. Hear that? Take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. He says it to these blind guys that follow him right in the house. He says, uh, hey, you believe I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord. According to your faith, may it be done to you. So there's a couple themes that go on in all this. I think there's two that are very predominant. One is Jesus' compassion. The other one is this. Desperate people, they turn to the one who can help when everything else seems lost. That's a good pattern. That's a good pattern. Desperate people turn to him when everything else seems lost. So I'm going to tell the story a little bit now, really short form, rather than dropping in the text later. And I don't remember how much I said, honestly, last week. But it, so I just came back from this trip in Central Asia. It was probably one of the harder ones I've been on. And it's not just because I'm getting old, but that is a factor. Um, man, it was just times. So again, when I, when I get with um, these people, there's like one guy who speaks English. And he's, I don't know how do I describe him. Though I think, I think the phrase everybody uses, they go like, squirrel. You know, he's, he's like... I go like, hey, buddy, you're like my ears and you're like my mouth. When you're not with me, I don't know anything that's going on. So he's awesome. But he's like, people, 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 whatever. But so I found myself many times like just alone. And what I'm doing is incredibly hard. It's way beyond me. And um, yeah, I won't go into the details. But I love, I love this brother. I love him dearly. Um, he's like, a, like my younger brother. I can't go anywhere without him. It drives me crazy, too. <laughs> Sound like anybody else I love? Yep. <laughs> I, I, I probably said this. I say, like, to other guys and staff go, like, man, how do you not kill him? I don't know. How do you, how do you work with him? I go, I'm married to sister. It's okay. You know, and, and, and he loves that expression. He uses it in the wrong way, you know? But I'm like, seriously, I mean, oh, my wife is so different than me, and I love her, but she just, she, we just operate in this different rhythm or whatever. And actually, it's probably what God's used in my life. But overseas, it's harder because he's like, he's, he's gone, you know. My wife, I can find her someday, you know. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, to, you know. I won't tell him about the, the desperation call you gave me Monday night. She's, I'm, I'm in Chicago. She gives me this desperation call like she's all in trouble and she needs help. I, I can't get to her. So like, I said, well, call this guy who's in the sheriff's department, lock the doors, do this or whatever, you know, and, and just do this, this, do this, okay. And, and then I call her back the next morning, make sure things okay, okay. Guess what happens? Come on, you know this, not that hard. Guess what happens? It's voicemail, yeah. Right, oh yeah, I probably texted you. Okay. She loses her phone for two days. But I know where she, I can find her, okay? My buddy overseas, I, I'm, I can't find him. So anyway, it was, it was hard. I remember times I'm just, I'm, I'm literally, I'm journaling and I'm crying out to the Lord. I don't know how to do this. Some of you actually, I sent an email to about halfway through the trip. Hardest trip I've ever been on. And I'll tell you, here's what I found happening. I talk to the Lord more than I ever have in a, in a two-week period. I'm like, God, I don't know how to do this. God, this problem just a, a, appeared. This could be disaster. I, <laughs> so I'm just asking him. I'm waking up. I'm jet lagged. I'm waking him. I'm just asking him, just talking to him. I have never seen God do so much in a two-week trip ever in my life. 
I'm like, so what do you want to do? You want to take it away? Can you make this comfortable? That's what I feel like I want, but it's not what I want. The hardest places are where we meet him continually. I just want to say to you, so when I preach this, I will preach it strong. We all have different storylines going, but I just say, I know this. I know this to be true. This is what God's word said. I know it works out this way. I just do. I can't fix anybody's problem here. It's not my job, but I want to preach this like it is in this text. I want us all to meet and walk with Jesus. That's it. It's that simple and it's that hard. And have the courage to follow him. And we're going to see people in this text that just do. And their lives are broken. They're broken. So the two big things I see in this is that one is desperate people turn to the one who can help when everything seems lost. I'm going to say to you, that is a good thing. That is a good pattern that we all need. And then we see Jesus' compassion again and again. He stops for this woman. The text says he sees her. And he speaks to her. Take heart, daughter. This little 12-year-old girl that's, that's died takes her by the hand. These two blind guys have been ostracized by, by, in society. He heals them by touching that spot, that spot that's dan- he touches their eyes. The compassion of Jesus is profound in this text. And I want it, I'm, I'm lumping this all together because I just want us to see it that way. It's two dominant themes here. Desperate people are turning to Jesus and Jesus has incredible compassion. The way Matthew tells us, it sounds like this could all be one day. Now, we don't know if it was, but he's at least packing this in so we see it that way. All right, scene one. Let's look at it. I won't read this one again, but um, so this is the dying girl and a bleeding woman. Uh, Mark and Luke tell us a couple more details about this. I'm going to knock this over, Butch. Um, Mark and Luke tell us that uh, the ruler is actually the ruler of the synagogue, and his name is Jairus. Uh, the daughter is 12 years old. I think it actually says it's his only daughter. So you could just imagine how desperate this guy is. And, and I wrote this down. I think, Laura, you said in the class, why did he come to Jesus? He comes and says she's dead. Okay. And I don't know what the answer is to that, but it's like, where else do you go? So he's, he's heard. Um, we actually kind of joked about this in the class earlier. It's when, uh, is it, which guy is it? Oh yeah, it's, it's when the, the mute guy uh, can finally speak. They say nothing like this has ever happened in Israel. He raised a dead girl. Wouldn't you say that about the dead? <laughs> we don't know why Matthew says it that way, but why does this guy go to Jesus? I just, he's desperate. He's got nowhere else to go. Maybe he's never seen this happen. I don't think he has. I, don't think, I think Lazarus' event is much later, by the way John tells it. He doesn't know, but he runs to Jesus. So he, he, here's what he says. He says, um, all you have to do is lay your hand on her and she will be healed. We have no idea why he says that, but he says it and that's what he believes. So Jesus gets up to follow Jairus to his house. There's a crowd around him. So imagine more people that are in this room. There's a crowd around Jesus. And in the crowd is this woman that no one sees. She does not want to be seen. She's probably covered in a way, and she's sliding in there. She's sneaking up to him. And what we understand is she has this discharge of blood. It's gone on for 12 years. And Mark and Luke add some details to that. 
It tells us she spent all her money on doctors and she's not healed. She's done what she could do. And all the solutions you'd normally pursue, they're not working. She's broke. That's it. No results. How do you feel then? She's not just broke. She is ceremonial unclean by the Levitical law. She would not be allowed to worship in the temple. Anyone who touches her would become unclean. That means she is additionally, she's a social outcast. This woman has been experiencing isolation for 12 years, much of her adult life. We don't know how old she is. It's defined her. In the midst of all this commotion, this big, huge crowd, everyone's going up to Jairus' daughter. She takes her opportunity to sneak into the crowd to Jesus thinking this, if I can just touch his garment, I'll be made well. We have no idea why she thinks that. But it's not hard to imagine the isolation. It's not hard to imagine the desperation she felt. And when she touches him, the bleeding stops. Who does that? Who does that? Not only does the bleeding stop, but Jesus stops. He turns and he looks right at her. He says, daughter. Remember, she doesn't want to be seen. He stops. He turns right and looks right at her. Daughter, take heart. Your faith has made you well. Do you hear Jesus' heart in that? You came to me. You believed. You're healed. And everyone heard it. That whole crowd heard it. She's no longer unclean. The stigma is removed. And Jesus made sure that everyone in that crowd heard it. So we see his compassion a couple ways. He's speaking to her, calling her his daughter, identifying her faith, commending her for it. But he's also, he wants everybody to know. It's, she's, she's not only healed, but all that's removed from her. When they got to Jairus' house, it's a pandemonium. So mourning in ancient Jewish culture, it's a community event. The whole town knows this. A dirge is being played by the flute players. There are women who are wailing. I don't know if you've ever seen a Middle Eastern movie or how they do this. It's loud. And, and, and all that commotion is meant to be the community grief being expressed. It's, I don't know. It's, it's what they do. I, I don't know that it's comforting, but that's, tragedy is known. You don't, you don't mourn privately. The community mourns the tragedy of this little girl's death. And Jesus comes up and says, go away for the girl's not dead, but sleeping. And how do they react? They laugh at him. What kind of laughter is that? I don't know. But I'll tell you this. They thought he was nuts. I don't know that it's mocking, but it's for sure it's like, what are you? <laughs> right. They didn't believe him. So I, I wouldn't compare to the Pharisees at the end, but this is not believing what Jesus said. Minimally that. And it's true. Sometimes Jesus says things that are almost incredulous. That's not uncommon for him. Says it. Calls people things that, calls them to do things that just don't seem to make sense. So the crowd's put out of the house. Jesus goes to the girl. He takes her hand and her life is restored. Just like that. Who can do that? 
Who can do that? Her mother and father, they tried everything. Jesus raises her up, and we read it in verse 26. Here's a summary of that scene. And the report of this went through all that district. Everyone hears about what Jesus had done. Brings us to scene two. Two blind men. So the way Matthew does this, he says, uh, verse 27, and as Jesus passed on from there. So it, Matthew's clearly connecting the two stories. Possible this is actually the same, same day. And so as he passed from there, two blind men followed him and they're crying out, son of David, have mercy on us. It's an interesting phrase. Uh, actually, Butch brought it up in, in uh, the morning class. Son of David, have mercy on us. What's that phrase, son of David? When they call out son of David, what that means is that's the term used of Messiah, the anointed one, the coming one. Israel knows this. They're waiting and looking for the son of David. They are the first one in Matthew's gospel to say this. Matthew, it's, it's the very first verse of Matthew's gospel. 1-1. One, one. He says, it's this genealogy of Jesus, the son of David. Son of Abram. So he's, he's identifying Jesus Messiah, the promised one from all the prophets looking. These are the first guys in the gospel, in Matthew's gospel, that say it. Now it goes, I, I think again, now it's, what are we in, chapter 9? Chapter 12, it'll come out again. People are wondering, is this the son of David? It'll come again in chapter 15. Interesting, in chapter 15, it's a woman who lives in, in modern day Lebanon. She's not Jewish. She's, she says this. Then in chapter 20, it's, it's, a blind, it's two blind men in Jericho. So this phrase comes out again and again. And finally, Je uh, Jesus brings it up in his discussion with the Pharisees, identifying that's who he is. But this is the first time. And it's part of Matthew's gradually revealing to him, it's just interesting. It's two blind guys who say it. They don't ask him. They say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. I'm sorry, what did he say? Go and learn what this means. Have mercy. Mercy, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. They're appealing to God's heart. So I'm going to get there in the end, but just, I just want you to follow this trajectory. When Jesus says that, we're seeing Jesus' heart of compassion. I'm telling you the application before I get there. That's how he wants to make his people. That we'd have a heart like he, his heart. So we're going to see his heart demonstrated all along the way in really broken people. All of us are aware of broken people, ourselves and others in our lives. But his kingdom, it's him doing this within his people. They don't necessarily look religious. But this is what he does within us. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. Notice here, <clears throat> they say that and what does Jesus do? When he entered the house, he stops for the woman. She doesn't want him to stop. He's going to Jairus' house. He stops for the woman. She's trying to do this quietly. Here's two blind guys calling, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. He keeps going. He goes right in the house. Isn't that strange? He keeps going. What do they do? They follow him right in the house. You get persistent faith right there. He doesn't stop. That doesn't matter. <laughs> They're desperate. This is where I'm going. You know, have you ever prayed and asked God to do something? you just like, I need this. And he doesn't do it now? <laughs> Lord, you're as broken as you can be. 
And it seems like he's not answering you. Keep following him. Keep following him. Persist in faith. There's something going on there that he wants to do. Don't stop. There are no other answers but him. He's going to draw you in. So he doesn't stop. They keep following right up into the house. They're persistent. Then Jesus asks them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? (laughs) Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, they say. So again, in that statement, I don't know. Do they fully understand who he is? Yes, Lord. I don't know. But that's what they say. They're believing. Is it simply for the healing they're believing? Or they believe who he is? I can't tell you that their belief is complete. I don't think it matters. They're saying, they're, they're saying what they know with as much as they know. Your faith doesn't have to be all figured out. You don't have to have every question answered. Whatever you see and know of him, go with that. We all struggle with different things. Oh, you of little faith, he has said twice in this gospel. Yep, that's us. Sometimes, sometimes I feel like I can have all these things figured out. Why? That's more about me than it is about Jesus. I want to have every, I want to really look good to you. You don't have to look good to him. He knows what we're like. And when I'm trying to make myself look good, I'm actually acting more like a Pharisee. That's not what the church is supposed to be. And that's not what you are, I know. But our brokenness and following Jesus and meeting him there makes it accessible to others that have issues also. That's why Matthew's got all his buddies and colleagues around. He wants them to meet Jesus. That's all he knows. Yes, Lord, they say. Then Jesus touched their eyes. I love this. He does not simply speak a word. He touches them. Jesus touches those eyes that don't work, and he says, then, according to your faith, be it done to you. Jesus is commending their believing. And then it says, and then their eyes were opened. Who can do that? Who can do that? He then says something strange to them. Don't tell anyone. And I love this. This is the one place someone disobeys and gets away with it. (laughs) Don't tell anyone. And they spread his fame throughout all that district, even after being warned. They can't not talk about Jesus. I I think about um, all these different guys I'm with in uh, Central Asia. Uh, Every single one of them grew up in a Muslim household. And they've come to Jesus. And so they experience different kinds of persecution. They can't not talk about Jesus. And I told you the story last week. I think I, used, I called the guy Al. I mean, he's, he gets kicked out of his house. And before he's running around, always getting in trouble with the law. And his brother said, I watched the change in his life. Now he, he sits right outside the door. My dad won't even let him in the house. He just keeps speaking about Jesus. He's going to. I can't, I can't not say. I don't think I told you this story. I have to keep changing names. Um, our host... When we got there, I said, yeah, I might have to step out because the, the uh, prosecutor is going to pull me in for something. Uh, I guess there's a, 15, a 15-year-old kid. He came to faith you know, from a Muslim family, so his mom's all upset. And he's got, he's got video of the worship. She's got video of the worship service. So we're going to get, you know, I got to go in and testify. But here was the deal. <clears throat> uh, how he came to faith was this pastor's son, who's 15 years old, invited him to church. And the guy came to church. So uh, uh, Jack, I'll call him, says, um, oh, they wanted some to come in. He goes, I'm not having my son come in there. 
So he goes, and this guy, this guy's got so much courage. He's taking me all kinds of places. He's the first guy that said, hey, you can come and do this. I go, but it's, it's not legal, is it? Oh, no, no, but it's okay. You can come and do this. Okay. That's just, that's just how he lives, you know? So he's going, it's a prosecutor. And what he says to him is, so he just tells him, listen, it's my son who invited him. He's 15 years old. My son thinks this is a good place to go. Don't you want to teach kids to invite their friends into something good? We just argued on behalf of his son. The prosecutor just, you know. So the, the prosecutor kicks it on down to the school administrator. What's he doing? I'm just passing this off. I just want to show due diligence to this mother that's going crazy over here. So they pass it off down to the school administrator. And again, they want, to, they want to speak to his son and, and we're like, Jack. Anyway, just as a whole thing. And it's, it's all done. He won't stop. You're not, supposed to, you're not supposed to proselytize. Even his son is 15 years old. He's got to talk about Jesus. I got to tell my friends about Jesus. I don't care that it's illegal. I want them to know that. We don't experience that kind of thing. I don't know if we ever will, but I'm like, Ben, here's these guys where they're not supposed to. They do. I'm okay. It's free for me. I, wanna, I want to. They spread, his, they spread his fame throughout all that district. So again, scenes one and two, they end with Jesus' ministry being told everywhere. Now we come to scene three, much shorter account. It's a demonized mute man. So it begins there in verse 32, and as they were going away, I I think that's the blind man, they're going away, a behold, a demon oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. So somebody brings him there. He's He's got, as it were, a muzzle on his mouth. We don't know who brought him. In this healing, there's nothing specifically mentioned about faith or believing. And Jesus casts out the demon, and immediately, this guy who's mute begins to speak. And we're struck again. Who does this? Who can do that? The crowd marvels, saying, never was anything like this seen in Israel. And so that's the end of the healing, but the final verse is the stunner. I should have put it back up here with that. I didn't. It says this, but the Pharisees said, he casts out demons by the prince of demons. Look what's happened. They've seen the very same miracles. The Pharisees reject Jesus in spite of the facts in spite of what everyone else knows, why is there such a conflicting reaction? Why is it that the crowds marvel, yet the Pharisees accuse? And I think this lands a bit on the point for all of us here. Unbelief. It blinds us from seeing. Faith opens us up to see and experience Jesus. Unbelief. It blinds us from seeing. Faith opens us up to see and experience Jesus. In each of these cases, faith is moving towards Jesus. Take the step. Take the step. Keep moving forward. They keep moving in that direction. They don't know how it will go, but they keep moving in that direction. The Pharisees' disbelief actually repels them. They cannot see what is right before them. Everyone's seeing the same thing. And they say, it's by the prince of demons he cast out demons. Twice in this, these passages, Jesus draws attention to their faith. Again, verse 22, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. Blind guys, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord. According to your faith, may it be done to you. So I think again, when I look at the whole big picture here, I'd say this is the main idea. 
Those who received and believed Jesus experienced his ministry. While those who rejected him were blinded by their own views. I think we got that one, Thad. But those who rejected him were blinded by their own views. Think about that. Think about it in our day. Still true. So I think there's a call to us. There's a call to the first century church to have faith, to believe Jesus for all your needs. Come to him. He cares for you. So a lot of ways to go back and ponder this. Um, we didn't do Psalm 103 in singing, did we? Let me just write this down in your notes. I won't do it right now. Psalm 103, once I had it memorized, but I probably forgot most of it now. Um, I was talking, it was interesting. This last place I was at, I was sitting with this guy. I just met him for the first day. And um, I love it. Taxi drivers, you know, you're with them, they always want to know all these things about America and blah, blah, blah. And so I'm sitting with a guy that I've just met, uh, but he's brother in the faith. And uh, so, you know, he wants to know, tell me what your favorite scriptures are. Okay, an awesome discussion. Psalm 103, Romans 8. That was, that was two of them that were in there. We just talked about, as a father has compassion on his child, so the Lord has compassion on those who love him. As far as the east is from the west. I should read this instead of trying to quote it. I'm going to read it. It's better than this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the people of Israel. I love this next phrase. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. Nor does he deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, how high is that, by the way? keeps going. Universe still expands. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love to those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west. How far is that? They don't meet. Go around the globe. There's always east and west. They don't meet. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame and he remembers what I are, we are dust. It, it goes on. He knows us. This is full of the Lord's compassion for us. I want you to know that. I want you to know it. So I'm going to close this in two ways. That, that phrase that preceded it, go and learn what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, I think speaks to us in how we are to live in this dark world. Let me say this first of all to the struggling. Oh, we're going to get this in chapter 12. How many of you ever heard the phrase, um, a bruised reed he will not break? Okay. Uh, he's going to quote this in chapter 12. Comes from Isaiah, I forget which chapter. But it's really talking about the Lord and what he does. I want to say to you that you can ask him about anything. I don't know what you have going on. He stops for this woman who's absolutely alone 
And the first thing is he sees her. He restores her. That's big. I don't know how to help you with your deepest struggles, but I, I do know this. If you come to him, really, he will show himself to you. He will meet you in your need. That's what he loves to do. That is totally what he's about. He'll do that. Most of the people have been talked with this week. I think we're living in that. There, there's some that are like, man, it's, I mean, it's okay. So let me just say it this way to, to, to the rest of us here. This is to Christ followers. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. What's he saying? Our heart is meant to be shaped like his heart. I don't have to have everything complete in my life, but the sharing of him with others, moving towards other in compassion, not just not avoiding whatever. And, and, and honestly, sometimes it, it, it takes courage. Some of us are more introvert than extrovert. We go like, I'll pray for him like this far away. I think he wants to move us that way. When I read the news, when I just talk with people or whatever, it feels like, man, the world is getting darker all the time. It's just like, and you can, you can become sad or despondent or lose focus on, friends, Jesus is still been building his kingdom and he is preparing us for his return. So part of that in, in the, the darkness and, and, and the brokenness, there's a longing for him. But in that, what he intends is for his people to carry that, a changed heart into it. We don't have to fix things, but walking into that, we are to do whatever brokenness there is. It's taking his kingdom and others, loving people like he loves them with that kind of compassion. And I would say this to you. I don't care where you are politically. I don't care. I do care. I, I, don't, I don't care where you are. Whatever things go on. Let me just say this. As it, as it seems like it's getting darker, this is the time for God's people to look like Jesus more than ever. Amen. Not say it with our bumper sticker or whatever we post on Facebook, but with these two simple things. It's very simple. Jesus made it very clear. Love God with all your heart, strength, soul, and mind. Love your neighbors yourself. The way we love people matters. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. That was said right before this. As Jesus demonstrates, what he's demonstrating is what he wants his people to look like. That's for all of us, every place God's put us. So where you see it and where those places are, pray for it. Just pray. And then ask him, what do you want me to do? He'll tell you. And then have the courage to follow him. Let's pray. Father, again, you know each one here. You know all that's gone on. And you've intended this text, these scriptures to be heard by our ears today, I pray that you'd grant the same kind of faith as we saw in these texts. That we'd believe and we'd follow you. We'd turn to you with everything we have. Inside this room, Lord, there's a, there's a lot of us as desperate people. Forgive me. Forgive us where we have tried our own solutions. Forgive us for where we have been self-reliant. It's only pride. It's all it is. Forgive us for not turning to your heavenly Father where we need to and ignoring your call to come. Let us come and seek you with all our hearts. Let us talk to you really about what's really going on. And in that, let us find you and the healing you provide to our souls. That is in a relationship with you, trusting you, knowing you. 
That's what we ask, Lord. That we might be your people and look like you with your heart of compassion in this world, a world you've created, people made in your image, a world you love. Let us be that for the glory of Jesus and our good, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. Make sure you come back next week to hear the next message in our series.